Hi, Pastor Greg here. I'm the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Jordan, Montana. I'm very excited to introduce a brand new series, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Thank you so very much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this series. So without further introduction, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Well, I am going to read from 2 Corinthians 13, 11, and it says this, Finally, brethren, farewell, because he's obviously at the end of the letter. Um, finally, brethren, farewell. Be complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. What's interesting about this is the King James Version Bible actually um, does this. Be perfect is what the King James Version Bible states. And we'll get into further detail on that one. All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that we may just have a wonderful time today going through your word and worshiping you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. We are in part seven of Jesus Christ the Messiah. And if you would like to view other um, portions of this series, you can go to agjordanmt.com and you can find it on the podcast version. You can find it also YouTube version if you prefer the video. And so. And. One of the things that Paul says is, finally, brethren, farewell, become complete, or in King James, be perfect. Now, what's interesting about this is, in that statement, and I want you to think about this, because we're going we're gonna to go through this, and then um, we're going to come right back to it. There's no sense here of not a right now incident. It's not a later incident. It is a B. It is a current. So I want you to think about that and ponder that because I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm like, uh, not happening. So think on it, ponder it, and we'll get to it. So far, we have been through 24 Old Testament prophecies. Between the testimonies of John and Luke, of what Jesus has done before he has been born, he has accomplished. There has been a few current New Testament prophecies done by angels and by people that have been stated. Two prophecies specifically we were going to go through today. The first one is actually found in the Old Testament. It's found in Exodus 33:19. And in Exodus 33:19, it states this, and this is more talking about the very character of God. Obviously, the Son of God would be revealing the character of God. So this is after Moses wanting to, to see his glory because they've been walking through a lot and they've gone through a lot. And in verse 19, this is how God responds. Then he said, 
I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And if you're reading in another one, it's actually grace and mercy is actually the, the words that are, that are used in that realm. What's interesting about this particular um, word of grace means favor, gracious favor, literally means to bend, to stoop in kindness to an inferior, okay, and to beseech. So this is, this is basically saying that God is going to take his goodness and all of his glory and that glory beseeches. What does it beseech? It beseeches us to follow after him. It's a beseeching because of the grace of God. Okay? Now, picture this. As great as God is, He's coming to you, and beseech is a deep word meaning, please. And it's not you going to God, but it's God going to you. He's saying, I'm giving you the grace and the mercy to be able to live. I'm giving you the grace and the mercy to be able to have a life. I'm giving you the grace and the mercy to be able to have a relationship with me. Please have a relationship with me. I have the grace that will cover your sins. I have the mercy that will be granted to you, something that you don't deserve. I beseech you. The great God that created heaven and earth, that holds all the whole entire universe in the palm of his hand, and he has grace for you. Now, I don't know if you ever saw that Hubble telescope when they turned it around and they took a picture of the earth as it was like nearing the end and the, the, the edge of, of where they could really communicate. And they flipped it around they took a picture. You can't even see earth. You can find it on NASA's website called Pale Blue Dot is, is the title. So if you want to actually look it up, go ahead. You can't even see it. So the great God that holds the entire heaven and earth in the very, very stinking palm of his hand right there, right in the middle, and he's beseeching you and he loves you and he cares about you and he sent his son to die on the cross for you. What is man, really? What is man? For him to consider. And then mercy, to have love for, and not just, a, not just a, a basic love, but to have a deep love for. And then I go back to the song that we sung, and I'm thinking, how many times have I allowed things in my life that I should have never allowed? How many times have I said things that I should have never said? How many times have I treated other people that I should have never treated that way? 
I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And the second one, believe it or not, is actually in the New Testament, Luke 1, 13. It says, By the angel, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Fast forward several months to verse 57. It's a lot quicker for us than it was for them, I'm just saying. Time jumps over, and in verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. This is the normal, traditional thing to do. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. Apparently they don't realize that you don't question the wife, but anyway. So they made sign to his father what he would have him called, because obviously they were in disagreement here, and, and so it is. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, His name is John. Resisting tradition, resisting what everybody else knew that this is something that's supposed to happen, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately, this obedience, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, once again getting into the Holy Spirit, and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that, he, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, 
child will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. By the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So we have the prophecies, and then we have the fulfillments. We have the statement of fulfillment from the Holy Spirit through Zacharias. We have the fulfillment of God's grace and mercy. We have fulfillment. Notice, Zacharias spoke. What did the angel say? There is some statements in this passage that are that should be noted within that this revealing of the Holy Spirit. How has Israel or how can Israel be saved from their enemies? Still pretty positive that there's enemies still around, right? Now we can take this. We we could point to the fact that Jesus was born and Romans were, was still there. We can point to the fact that the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, still have physical enemies around. So we still have that. We can look at this as a partial fulfillment if we want to just pay attention to the physical. Or we can look at it in a slightly bit different way. According to Romans 10, 1 through 4, if you'll flip over there with me really quick. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, or, more properly stated, the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And then, according to Romans, and then also according to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 11, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. Based on these two, Jesus the Christ the Messiah was the end or the goal of the law unto righteousness. Through Jesus Christ, we are delivered from our enemy, sin, the darkness within that agrees with the darkness outside. Now, why do I put it that way? Why do I say that the darkness within agreeing with the darkness on the outside? In James chapter 1, 12 through 15, it says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So our enemies... You, I still believe, you know, God at one point in time is going to bring all the enemies down and all that is going to happen. But we can also take it from a very spiritual realm and it's that God defeated the darkness by shining a light. Because the reason why temptation is a problem for me is because I have a problem here that God is working on in me. 
right? And because God is working on in me, I need to stop blaming everything else on the fact that I struggle with something. I need to allow myself to be realized that one, agree with your adversary quickly is what the Bible says. One, it is true the fact that I struggle in certain areas. That's one. But two, I am no longer that person. I am no longer, it is not I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I am no longer that person. I have a new identity found not in myself, but found in Christ. So my identity has changed. My life has changed. So that being the case, the enemy that was defeated at that day on that cross, the enemy that was defeated was the sin that separated myself from God, allowing my life to have a oneness with God, if I so chose. If I so chose. So through Jesus the Christ the Messiah, we can stand against the darkness that is in the world. Through Jesus Christ the Christ the Messiah, we have been redeemed. So if you are focusing on physical, yes, that will happen. But spiritually, right now, let me ask you a question. Can you live in peace? Yes. Because peace is not based on the situation that you're in. There are people, I mean, Christ was in, Jesus was in the middle of the storm. Everybody else was freaking out. Where was Jesus? He was asleep. He had no problem. There was no issue. Can you live in freedom? Yes, because freedom is not based on location. There are prisoners who have found Jesus the Christ the Messiah that are living in some ways, shape or form, freer than we are. Because we have a tendency to bind ourselves up with all the options that we got. Options, 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 options. I can do this with my time. I can do that with my time. I can do this with my time. What about that little conversation with God, you know, every day that maybe we should have, possibly? Can we live without fear? Yes, we can live without fear. How? 1 John 4, 17 through 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been, has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And 2 Corinthians 13, 11, which we read, at the very, very start of this. Be perfect. Well, how, how is that? Because God's love is being perfected in us. In Romans chapter 8, he says that he's continuing to work in us. Notice the statements are said as now. I started this by saying that we would get to it, and we are. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be perfect. How? 
You cannot save yourself. It is by Jesus Christ we find salvation. And through that relationship we live with, where does the peace come from? It comes from God, through Jesus. So we live with peace in the midst of destruction when all your life is destroying, you know, just crumbling around you. Freedom in the midst of imprisonment. Fearless in the midst of overwhelming odds. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. God accomplishes his prophecies. God accomplishes his promises. But he doesn't do them in the way that we might think that it is. When, when Jesus came, nobody expected him to come in the way he was coming. Nobody expected him to do in the way he was doing. Nobody expected him to die on the cross. And nobody expected him to raise again. It, wasn't only, it was only after all this that they realized exactly what he said that he was going to do. And he did every single thing that he did. And they were like, oh, now we know. And then still, later on, Peter didn't even know everything that God was doing because later on, Peter like had a vision and this carpet rolled out with insects and bugs that he would have never eaten in any way, shape, or form because it was against the law. Once again, what we think and what we know. How many times has God shaken the foundation of what you believed in order to get you onto the firm foundation of who he is? How many times has God shined a light in an area where you really thought that this was the one thing that was the truth, you thought it was the truth, and then God shined a light on it and just and, and indicated the darkness that is there? My point is, never allow your life, your reasoning, and your logic to get in the way of what God is doing in your life right now. And the only way to do that is to have a listening ear and a seeing eye. God has made them both. And it's interesting that in Greek when it says that we need to listen, it also means to do. How do we show God that we actually love him? He, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's his commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There is the Ten Commandments, yes, but all the laws hang on that. So in your life, focus on God. Listen to what he's having to say. What is the prophecies? The prophecies are proving the fact that Jesus is, is indeed the Christ, the Messiah. The prophecies are saying, this is, and the people who saw it are saying, this is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. So what does that mean for us? It's a confirmation of basically saying, I am not just following something blindly, but yet I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ did indeed live 
die on the cross and was raised from the dead. And I am following after a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. I see his hand is mercy. You know, oh, I, what's the next one? I see his hand is mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. I am not living a blind faith. I'm living a faith based on the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. Now, if you need proof, there's proof. God is provable. He's undeniable. But I don't live based on the proof. I live based on the relationship. Because it's not just proof. It's a relationship. It's a friendship. It is a love. And that's something that goes beyond. It goes beyond. So if anything that I can encourage you, there was a pastor that did this way back when, and there's probably been more pastors, only one that I that I definitely can re refer to. And he said, the greatest thing that you need to do is to fall in love with Jesus. Because if you fall in love with Jesus, things in your life you're going to do not because you have to, but because you want to, because of what God is doing. Allow love to be perfected in you. Learn to know what it is to love, how God loves. Because it chases you down fights. Despite yourself, it knocks down walls that you build up in between God and you. It says, you may not know that you're doing it, but God says, I still love you. And we're going to work this out. And that's the kind of joy that's the kind of testimony. That's the kind of thing that the world can't fight against. They can argue. They can argue against the Bible. They can argue against things, whether or not it's true or not. They'll still argue it. I've seen truth argued all the time. But they can't argue the relationship with God through Jesus. They can disagree with it, but they can't. They can't argue it. Why do I say that? Is because. The joy that you have in Jesus, I want you to share with everybody around you. Wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't it be awesome if you get up to heaven and everybody you see are the people from everybody around you right now? Yeah, even that person. You know the person I'm talking about. Even that person. Okay? Wouldn't it be cool? Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Lord God, for everything that you do in our hearts and our minds and our lives. I pray, Lord God, that you be glorified, that you be worshipped, and that you be adored, Lord God. 
I pray, Lord God, that those that do not have a relationship with you through Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that they may listen to that still small voice. I pray, Lord God, that they may answer to the knock on their heart. I pray, Lord God, that they may find a freedom that has nothing to do with where they are in life. That they may find a peace in the midst of the chaos. And they may find a love in a very unloving environment. Lord God, I thank you for everything you do. May we have a wonderful time serving you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and taking the time. I hope that you enjoyed this series. If you would like to follow this podcast as well as other podcasts, you may go to agjordanmt.com. I hope you have a wonderful day.